This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Minor League Baseball podcast, the show before the show, is back for another week. We are nearing the month of June. We're actually in the month of June now by the time you listen to this and actually by the time we're recording as well. So I uh, totally screwed that up. I thought we had one more day of May that I could say, hey, almost done with the first full month of the season. But we are done with the first full month of the season. And we welcome you in. I'm Tyler Mon in New York City is Sam Dykstra. Hey, Sam. Hi. Happy June. Yeah, happy June. June. Tyler. My birth month. <laughs> oh, where we are. Everybody get excited. Three weeks away from my 31st birthday. Uh, um, <laughs> everybody mark their calendars. Right mark now. your calendars. First day of summer is the most important day of the year because it's my birthday. Um, so, hey, welcome in the 61st edition of the show before the show podcast. Hi, thanks for joining us wherever you are, wherever you're tuned in, listening to us on your commute into work or at the office pretending to do work or driving to a minor league baseball game somewhere. Hey, do us a solid and uh, you can go find the show before the show on iTunes. We are the minor league baseball podcast there. You can rate, review and subscribe to us. Leave us your questions, your thoughts, your comments, your uh, huddled masses yearning to be free. And we would be very much appreciative of that forever. We've gotten a ton of good ratings and reviews as of the last few weeks. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, if people want to leave reviews in poem form and yeah. really show off. I mean, if you're just looking for a creative space to to yeah. flex your uh, Unleash poetic your... muscles, right. go yeah. for it. Exactly. I'm totally we, down with that. We will take reviews, you know, five-star reviews and haikus. That would be fun. That should be the name of a podcast itself. Five-star oh. reviews and haikus. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll set that up as a side project. <laughs> So, hey, we welcome you into this week's edition of the show, and let's get started. It's Arias time again in Tinseltown, which is a name for Los Angeles that I've never understood. Julio Arias, who is the number two prospect in the entirety of the game of baseball, as per MLB Pipeline, is once more headed back to the big leagues. We saw him at the major league level on May 27th at City Field in New York. It did not go well. Briefly, he was sent back to the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers before making another appearance there. He was once more summoned back to the big leagues. We will be hearing in just a little bit from Alex Friedman, the radio voice of the Oklahoma City Dodgers, on what he has seen from Julio Arias, the 19-year-old phenom, the left-handed stud from Culiacan Rosales in the state of Sinaloa in Mexico. We'll hear from Alex here in a little bit. But, Sam, for strike one this week, uh, your thoughts on Julio. I mean, obviously, the stuff is there. The makeup is there. Everything is there. And it shows you just how difficult that jump is to make to the big leagues because in his 41 innings at the minor league level this year, eight appearances, seven starts, a 4-1 record, a 1.10 ERA for AAA Oklahoma City, a FIP this season, a fielding independent pitching of 2.85, still absurdly good, 44 strikeouts and 41 innings, eight walks, opponents batting 176. Then he goes to the big leagues and kind of gets kicked around. And that shows you just how difficult that jump is. Your thoughts on his last week? Yeah, so uh, it, it was really unfortunate last week that he, that news broke. Uh, after, I think it was just before uh, we had sent the podcast live. So yes. we were a little bit behind last week. We'll catch you up this week. 
Um, obviously, we now know what Urias did in his debut. Um, as you mentioned, did not go particularly well, specifically in that first inning. Um, seemed to really struggle. Um, but, you know, a, a big part of that is just being a 19-year-old pitcher making his debut in a big stadium like City Field against a really good hitting team like the Mets. Uh, yeah, they, it, it, it's tough to make a debut on the road, and then it's tough to make a debut against the reigning NL champs. So not a lot going great for him in that first start. Um, everybody's still very optimistic about the kid. I mean, you'll hear, hear from Alex later. Uh, he got shellacked last year when he made his AAA debut, kind of a similar circumstance. Um, I think he finished with a 18.69 ERA and two starts at AAA last year. So this is a kid who, you know, it takes him some time to get to used to a level, um, use that, those struggles last year to fuel him into what those numbers you mentioned earlier. Um, kind of a fun fact, I did a story today about most interesting prospect numbers from May. Urias was the only qualified starting pitcher in all of minor league baseball. So qualified means would have qualified for an ERA title um, by pitching eight-tenths, so four-fifths of an inning for every game played by his team. He was the only qualified pitcher to not allow an earned run in the entire month of May in the minors. Um, so he, he was fully in form. I mean, that, if there was a time to send him up, that was it. Uh, you got to see a little bit of what his fastball is capable of. He, he flashed a little bit of a curve. Um, his changeup is equally good still. Uh, he just needs to find the plate a little bit better than he did in that first start. Walked four guys in two and two-thirds innings. You know, you can chalk that up to nerves. Uh, I did a story last week as the tool shed with the Dodgers pitching coordinator, Rick Knapp, who said, you know, nothing would have surprised him in that debut. It's a, it's a tough stage, but it's also Rios who who – likes taking on challenges. Uh, so it's kind of nice that he did get called up ag again so quickly instead of having to stew on that, that rough first outing. Um, instead, he can come back, you know, learn from it. Everybody says his makeup is off the charts. This is a kid who wants to learn, who wants to get better, um, and will use that to fuel what should be a, a better second start. And, you know, depending on the length of Alex Wood hitting the DL, uh, you know, a better third and fourth, fifth start. Um, depending on what they're going to do with him going forward. If he is going to stick with the Dodgers, there's been some talk that they're going to use him out of the bullpen more. Um, you know, their starting pitcher in injuries require them to use him out of the rotation. Uh, but as a guy who has not pitched more than 87 and two-thirds innings in any season, uh, they're probably going to try to preserve his innings a little bit in the bullpen. But for right now, he's a starter, um, and he's going to be a better one than we saw uh, against the Mets last week. Kind of a kick in the pants, too, to the uh, the Dodgers to lose Alex Wood. Uh, I was listening to the StatCast podcast with Mike Petriello, kind of one of our sister podcasts over at, uh, at MLB.com. And Alex Wood has really been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball over the last month or so. I mean, his numbers in May, fantastic. An 0-2 record because wins and losses for pitchers are dumb. But a 3.18 ERA, 41 strikeouts in 28 and a third innings. I mean, Alex Wood had been pitching fantastically. So when you're the Dodgers, I mean, you sort of have this luxury of, oh, we lost this guy who was somewhat of a surprise. I mean, a lot of people sort of envisioned that with Alex Wood when he was coming up in the Brave system, but we lost Alex Wood. He was putting together a good May. Why don't we just replace him with one of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball? Why not? Yeah, a, a guy who, you know, Arias definitely has ace potential. Uh, the Dodgers have the ace of the game right now in Clayton Kershaw, um, but I, I'm sure all Dodgers fans would love to see Arias become, you know, an, a number one type, but in a number two role. 
uh, in the years to come. That seems fair to I know, that's, that's any of you. Him, any right. of you out there who have to see your team play the Dodgers twenty times or so a year seems well, fair. Well, I'll tell you what's not fair <laughs> is that you know, the amount of times we heard the name Fernando Valenzuela, yeah, just tossed around flippantly with Urias and just saying like, yeah, he's going to do it. He's the next. He's the next Fernando. That's tough. I mean, yeah. Knapp talked about that last week. He said. I don't know if there can be Julio mania just because they're on such different paths and the game has changed in the way it used to, you know, Valenzuela got as much run as he could. Now you have to plan for Rios's future, knowing what we know about elbows and joints and innings limits and pitch limits and all that kind of thing. Uh, so you don't expect this guy to be sweeping the nation necessarily in his first season. He's not going to be Valenzuela or Fidrich or anything like that. But he will be exciting. He will flash some stuff that will make you jump out of your seat um, once he finds his confidence again. And I, I think that can come pretty quickly. By the way, one of the most legendary people in the game of baseball who maybe is a name that you have not heard is that of uh, Mike Brito, who has been a Los Angeles Dodgers scout for, I think, something like close to 60 years now. Uh, Mike Brito, you will remember as the guy who, when you were a kid and were watching Dodgers games on television, was the one wearing the fedora, smoking the cigar, and pointing the radar gun toward the pitcher's mound from behind home plate at Dodger Stadium. Uh, Mike Brito discovered Fernando Valenzuela and Julio Arias, as well as Yasiel Puig, by the way. Um, just a fascinating guy, an unbelievable eye for talent. Uh, a very random aside, I did those broadcasts in Taiwan for the Premier 12 tournament, which featured the top 12 ranked teams, national teams in the country or in the in the world. And for the country of Mexico, Mike Brito was actually the manager of that team. Got a chance to meet him and talk to him for a while. Uh, he wears his Dodgers World Series and National League Champions rings on both hands. I think he's got about eight rings spread across each of his hands. Uh, smokes a cigar stands in full uniform next to the batting cage during BP and discovers just gobs of talent. And I think he's about 85 years old now or so. Uh, so a fascinating guy who has put some of the best talent in the game of baseball into the game of baseball and has another one on the way. So really interesting guy and Julio Arias could not be more excited. If you're a prospect nerd, you could not be more excited for anybody to make a debut uh, than this kid who is coming again for the Los Angeles Dodgers this week. Uh, strike two, Sam. Triple-A All-Star Game is on the very near horizon. We are uh, just days away, it feels like, really about six weeks or so. But July 13th in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Triple-A All-Star Game featuring the International League and the Pacific Coast League. Voting is open now to send your favorite players to the AAA All-Star Game at the home of the Charlotte Knights. Uh, this is a fun time of year because obviously there's going to be so much discussion no matter what about uh, what's going on at the major league level. The Kansas City Royals and the Cubs are dominating. They're blowing everybody away. I love voting for the AAA All-Star Game. It's so much fun. Yeah, and, and it's, a lot of, it's a lot of fun to see sometimes, you know, what <laughs> AAA markets are stuffing the ballots, who, who have the best, yeah. to put it in political terms, the best get-out-the-vote drives. Uh, but also just what what type of players fan, fans get legitimately excited for. I mean, these aren't guys that you're going to be seeing um, on national TV every week. Hopefully you're seeing a lot of them on MILB TV and getting a chance to skip around there and watch guys like Trey Turner and Josh Bell and, you know, AJ Reed and just kind of skipping around like that. Uh, but th these are not guys who are on SportsCenter every week. So it, it is fun to see who gets kind of rewarded for the seasons they're the half seasons that they're having uh, so far. It'll be the International League against the Pacific Coast League, like I said, on July 13th. You can go to MILB.com right now and cast your ballot. Um, who's really – I mean, obviously there are – 
there are a lot of guys at that level who kind of stand out to us on a, a week by week basis, but who really sticks out to you as somebody that you're excited to see in that game against some of the best uh, competition in the, in the entire minor league ranks? Yeah, I'll give you a kind of an interesting scenario. If there is going to be a ballot stuffing uh, initiative, I think it should be kind of on the part of the El Paso Chihuahuas in their outfield. Um, I think it would be really interesting to see Hunter Renfro, uh, Alex Dickerson, who might be the hottest hitter in minor league baseball right now, and Manuel Margot, who is heated up after a rough April, they would make for a very, very good starting PCL outfield. Obviously, there's some competition there. Uh, Jared Parker has been one of the best sluggers in, in the minors this season. He's got 13 home runs, currently up with the Giants, so he, he might not even be eligible for that. Uh, Peter O'Brien, another guy who's shown a lot of power. Uh, I know you had a story with him where he's talked about still learning the outfield. Uh, but that would be really interesting to see if you're going to have a outfield that is stuffed in the way that we've seen you know, the Royals uh, stuffing an all-star team last year. I don't think you could do much worse than having both Renfro, who right now is batting 320 with 12 homers, uh, Dickerson, who is hitting 411, and Margot, who's hitting 299 but has 16 steals. Uh, that would be a fun outfield to see together and, and kind of represent it on that, that big stage that is the AAA All-Star game. So uh, go but, vote. Yeah, exactly. That's but there right. are there are fun, other fun names. I mean, I think Trey Turner should obviously get yeah. recognition. Uh, we'll see if he gets called up soon. Uh, legitimately get called up soon, not just the, oh, he's playing too well, he should really be up. Uh, the Washington Post had this kind of, they tabulated that he sh should be called up within the week um, if they are only worried about getting an extra year of control of him, so he might not be eligible, but he is certainly the best IL shortstop. And I'll uh, I'll throw out Jameson Tyone as the IL starting pitcher, um, giving him a slight nod over over everybody else in his rotation. <laughs> right, exactly. I was going to say Tyler Glass now and Chad Cool, but yeah, it seems like it's him. Anybody who has pitched for the Indianapolis Indians this year might get All Star consideration for sure so go do your civic vote your duty your civic duty not your civic votey go do your civic <laughs> duty and vote is what i was going to say you don't even have to register uh, yeah exactly time, well exactly. not as many times but you can vote more than once we don't require ids you can vote um strike three sam moving along to our final uh, topic of the week this came out of a story uh that happened at a ballpark on a field and involving a player, which is somewhat different uh, than the way that these stories generally go. Uh, but the Pensacola Blue Wahoos had a, uh, a fun one in that it was a story outside of just the standard realm of baseball. Pensacola on May 28th played a good game, came back, got a victory over the AA Birmingham Barons. But after the game... Outfielder Bryson Smith proposed to his girlfriend, Rafael Lombardo, on the field after his team's win on Saturday night. Uh, so my question to you, is it okay to propose at the ballpark, Sam, go? Okay, as a player, I thought that was cute. Okay. Like, you know, that that's your place of work. That's Yeah. It, I really liked your story about it for, for many, many reasons. Thank you. It re read like a uh, romantic article. You know. I wouldn't say a novel. I try to woo the ladies. Long. Yeah. That's it. It was a great chapter in a great romantic novel. <laughs> um, I think I, I really, you threw in a, a phrase, something about like the rawhide hitting the leather. And I thought that was a different romantic novel that we're not going to get into. Oh, well, you know, that's, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, no, it, I did. That's, that came out far creepier than I anticipated. 
It's fifty. It's Fifty Shades of MILB. I was gonna make that <laughs> joke on Twitter, and I didn't know if I wanted to, so I'm making it on the podcast. But uh, what what I liked about it was that it was their one chance to be together. I mean, one thing about minor league baseball that we've talked about a little bit, and we've talked to players about, is that you're away from home for so long. You don't necessarily have a home. Um, you're living with a couple other guys in these apartments that they've just thrown together. If you get called up, if you get moved down, if you get traded, any of that, you're, you're always on the move. Um, so it's, you have such a limited time to, to hook up. And I don't mean that literally, uh, to meet up with, you know, your significant other. So when you get the chance, like this story, uh, yeah. you know, you, you take advantage and, and it was nice to see him take advantage in that way. And I particularly like the line about, uh, he had the ring for so long, it was starting to feel like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the thing I loved about Bryson Smith was that he seemed so um, just eternally pessimistic about everything. This is one of my favorite quotes. He said, quote, I walked over to her and tried to get her on the field, and she was like, no, I'm not getting on the field. What's wrong? Why do I need to get on the field? I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, nothing's panning out, which is just the best thing to me. The Bryson Smith, biggest moment of his life, he walks over, his girlfriend's a little wary to get on the field, and he's like, nothing's going to work out for me here. Yeah. And then he ends up proposing and it went great. Uh, I agree. If you're a player, your place of work, it's adorable. There was another story uh, that actually sort of tied into this from a few years earlier. Um, this is a, uh, a Toronto Blue Jays prospect. Andy Burns back in 2014 hit a walk-off homer and then proposed to his girlfriend. Uh, so that was a similar story. So, yeah, if it's your place of work, whatever. But if you are just a dude – like I remember working at the team level – and people call in the front office and saying, I want to propose to my girlfriend. I want to do something on the video board, yada, yada. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> you, have, you have to have a good reason. Like, if that was your first like, date. Yeah, if you met at a game, you know, you were at a, you were at a Tri-City a Dust Devils holder, game. Go, exactly. Yeah, you, or, you go you know, 81 times a year to a major league team, you know, however, 70 times a year to a minor league team. You were doing the eyeball race, you know, somewhere, or you were racing the the fastest squirrel in Lake Elson, or whatever it was. If that's part of your story, sure. But if you're just like, well, we really like going to baseball games, well, I'll just propose there. Come on, don't be that guy in that commercial where there he's like, I know we just met two weeks ago. <laughs> We're here at this ball game. Don't be that guy. This always reminds me of that terrible Adam Sandler movie, Anger Management. Oh, that. You think yeah. that was terrible? No, actually, that was one of his better ones in recent. Right, I think that was before the slide, but that that, that one was okay. Um, but yeah, I did uh, I did enjoy talking to Bryson Smith after that. Um, it was a it was a fun thing. It's definitely the most non baseball story I think I've written of my uh, my third year now writing for for milb dot com, and so I made it pretty fun. And uh, and Bryson Smith, I mean, it was it's very rare, and this is something that. I feel really, really lucky about this job. And I know, Sam, you probably feel the same way, but we get to talk to people so often after some of the best moments of their lives. And that's what's really, really cool about this job. And and really, it, a lot of times, if you're a, a journalist, you kind of get the inverse of that, where you're talking to people after stuff that's really rough for them. But when you work in sports, a lot of times, you get the good sides of that. And so to talk to Bryson Smith, you know, when he's just on cloud nine, it's the best moment of his life. That was really cool. And so really excited for him, really excited for his now fiance. That was one of my favorite things where I said, uh, you know, what are the plans of your fiance? And he said, yeah, fiance, right? That's weird. That's <laughs> that was a great kicker. Pretty cool. That was a great kicker. And there was a great <laughs> detail in there, too, about he uh, didn't want to get the club employee's phone 
covered in shaving cream or yes. something? Yes. Yeah. He uh, he had gotten smashed in the face. Uh, and he said, to, you know, when you walk into a clubhouse after you pull something like that, like you're going to wear it from somebody. And so it was Ray Chang, who's a longtime minor leaguer, who's been in the, the Cincinnati Red system for a long time. He said Ray Chang just blasted him in the face with a shaving cream pie, which uh, I've been on the receiving end of a few shaving cream pies in the minor leagues for no good reasons, just because <laughs> players are dorks sometimes. But uh, it's not fun. But he was on the, the PR person's phone from Pensacola. And he said, I'm holding this sort of away from my cheek so I don't cover this poor girl's phone in shaving cream. So it's a pretty good day for Bryson Smith. Pretty cool. Yeah. A thoughtful moment in a uh, in a exuberant time. Of- <laughs> Share your thoughts with us. Tweet at us. I'm at Tyler Mon. Sam is at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. You can email the show podcast at M-I-L-B.com and let us know your thoughts. Maybe you put together a terrific ballpark proposal. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, if you can prove us wrong, yeah. like, if you want to tell your story, we will retweet yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll retweet like, We'll it. share as many as we we'll can discuss. get that are legitimately sweet. If yeah. Just realize you might be opening yourself up to scorn, but if exactly. you can prove us wrong, yeah, we're always ready to be proved wrong. I remember the first time I saw that on a scoreboard when I was a kid, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. I love sports, and someday maybe I'll like girls. I'm going to do that as well. <laughs> And then I got to be the age of like 12 and I was like, people still do this, huh? That's, that's terrible. But when you're a player, different story. So uh, for those of you listening who still have time to make yourselves into professional ball players, go that route maybe instead of just doing it on the video board. Yes. Yeah, seems we, we should have told a uh, five-year-old Tyler that. <laughs> what just were we doing? Try, try to make it as a ball player, kid. <laughs> Duh. It's so easy. It'll be fine. Uh, That puts the finishing touches on strike three for this week's the 61st edition of the show before the show podcast strike one this week. We talked about Julio Arias and one of the things that I am most excited about with this promotion is that we all finally know how to accurately pronounce his last name. One of the guys who has seen him the most, especially over the last year or so, is Alex Friedman, who's the radio voice of the Oklahoma City Dodgers. And Alex joins the show to talk Arias, to talk Dodgers prospects, and to talk the life of being a radio guy in one of the craziest travel schedule minor leagues, the Pacific Coast League. Alex Friedman joins the show next. The baseball world was kind of set abuzz last week with the news that 19-year-old Julio Urias would be headed up to the big leagues, and uh, that was sort of where the world was introduced to Julio Urias. But somebody who has seen Julio a lot over the last couple of seasons, especially this year, is Alex Friedman, who's the radio voice of the Oklahoma City Dodgers in the AAA Pacific Coast League. Alex, welcome to the show. You're our first radio guy, man. How excited are you? Wow. The first, hopefully not the last, a uh, pleasure to be making my debut. You know, with all the travel we do, I listen to you guys in the podcast all the time, whether it's on a bus or on a plane and anything like that. So uh, really, it's an honor to be on. What a guy. What a guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is We paid Alex to say that. So anybody who's wondering, that's that's how we get our, our full, disclosure. full disclosure. Um, well, Alex, let's start first things first and talk about uh, this phenom in the Dodgers system. I mean, a guy who obviously really needs no introduction in the prospect community. Uh, but for people who are kind of really just catching on to what this means uh, for the Dodgers and for for Julio Arias, I mean, a kid who has been a top 100 prospect for the last handful of seasons in his career uh, and coming into this this year had seen already a little bit of time with Oklahoma City last year, and now this year has really been an entrenched part of your organization there. What has he been like? I mean, everybody raves about the makeup, the stuff, the mechanics, everything, but being somebody who has seen him now in all nine of his AAA appearances, tell us about him. What is your scouting report on him? 
Well, everything you hear is correct, pretty much, that, that you heard coming into this season and before. Uh, the one thing is that last year, you know, he joined us at the end of the season, really struggled. Uh, everything that we had heard, he expected some growing pains, having just turned 19, coming to AAA, but he had two, three starts total, two in the regular season, won the playoffs, and all were not very good whatsoever. It's uh, funny because his first inning in the big leagues, very similar to the first inning he had at AAA. Actually, the one at AAA was a bit rougher through over 40 pitches to get through the inning. Uh, but everything you hear about Julio Rios is, is really come to fruition. It's not just reading the words on the page or the computer screen. Uh, it's seeing the composure out there on the mound, the way he's able to mix his pitches, the, the four different kind of pitches he has, and how he's able to manipulate each one. He's great at changing speeds on his fastball, uh, putting extra break on his curveball and slider when he needs to. You talk with all the opposing teams that face him. They're believers. It's not like that you know he's putting up these numbers by coincidence. They all agree that Julio Rios is legit. And that the promotion, honestly, I think a few of us felt it, it kind of took longer than, than we all expected to the way he had been pitching. Um, in terms of, of the makeup and off-the-field stuff, you know, he's 19 years old, but he's just a great kid. Uh, a great example to give you is we were in Fresno recently, and we did a full-on media session with him. They had a lot of requests, a, a very high Spanish-speaking population out there, as well as a lot of Dodgers fans. Um, so he was happy to do it. And but he asked me, as well as the Fresno Media Relations Director, should I wear my uniform? That's not even something I would have even thought of. I mean, it was unnecessary, <laughs> but for him to even think about that, was I thought was very impressive. And so we said, all right, we're going to do it at 345 the next day. You know, I was expecting, you know, that he'd remember that I'd go in the clubhouse and get him. He was ready to go 10 minutes beforehand in the dugout, waiting and ready. And it lasted a while. He happily answered every question. And uh, that just kind of shows you his maturity and, and understanding that, that in this business of baseball, there's sometimes more to just how you perform out on the mound. Yeah, and you kind of touched on it there, what my next question was going to be, which was, um, you know, we read so much about scouting reports and what guy's stuff is. With Urias, uh, what is something that, you know, you've gotten to see with him, you know, with his, during his time in Oklahoma City that other people may not be able to get to see? What's kind of like a a background story or something you've noticed that might surprise some people, some Dodgers fans. Yeah. I mean, I think the story about us in Fresno, I, I think the other thing is that he took it really personally, how poorly he pitched in AAA last year. The word he used to describe his performance last year was a disgrace. That was his word. Um, and really took it personally and wanted to improve this year and, and perform much better. Here's the AAA level. Um, then in just in terms of maybe going more in depth beyond the numbers, you look at the 27 inning scoreless streak, you just might see that on paper. That's impressive enough as is, but looking into it, he had two guys reach third base. It was not a whole lot of, well, the defense bailed him out or really got lucky. No, no, no. This was as solid of a 27 scoreless streak that you could imagine. And um, I guess those are just kind of a couple of insights that, that might not jump off the page for you. Continuing down this Oklahoma City roster, uh, you know, there's obviously been some really good players coming through that that team these last two years. Corey Seager last year, Urias this year, uh, and other guys like Micah Johnson. And I know uh, Frankie Montas is stopping there right now. Jose De Leon is there. Uh, but who's somebody on the roster right now that people might not see or might not jump out to people, but somebody you see on a daily basis that has really surprised you or impressed you so far? I guess two names, one of which Dodgers fans will know, Austin Barnes, who's been up a little bit. This guy has a very unique skill set where he'll catch, but he'll also play second and third. And the Dodgers really view him as someone that 
on the major league roster can be carried as a third catcher, but also as a utility infielder. It's not something you really see around the game these days. Uh, he's a tremendous on-base guy, has been by far the most consistent performer we've had in our lineup. His power numbers are a little bit down this year, but still the, the patience has been great and just really a refined approach up there. And, and anywhere he plays, whether it's behind the plate or at second base or third base, he's going to give you good defense. Um, the guy who's really kind of surprised people this year is reliever Grant Dayton. They got him in a trade in the middle of last year, minor trade with the Marlins, and it had okay numbers throughout his career. Last year really struggled with us. He begins the year with us, his first appearance, um, takes the loss in a, a walk-off game in Nashville, gives up you know, a single and a triple, game over before he had barely even gotten out to the mound, gets sent to double A, puts up good numbers there. We think, okay, well, he's done that before, comes here, and he has just been lights out since he has been back. Um, he's striking out over 50% of the batters he has faced. He's given up just four hits over seven appearances, totaling nine and two-thirds innings at the time of this uh, recording here. And this past road trip in Sacramento had several scouts come up to me saying, I want that guy in our big league bullpen right now. Uh, they thought that he could, without a doubt, get out, at, at the very least, left-handed hitters in the major leagues at this moment. That's pretty amazing. Well, and the, the thing that fascinates me so much about the Dodgers right now, Alex, is you look at teams that are in major media markets, and the Dodgers are somewhat of an outlier in that they've built this core uh, of minor league talent that is really infusing the major league club with a lot of its successful components. And you don't, I mean, maybe it's it's still a holdover from kind of the Yankees-Red Sox era of the early and mid-2000s, but when you look at these massive payroll teams, that's so often not the case. What is the feeling right now surrounding the Dodgers Dodger system for people who are, you know, kind of have a vested interest in it as far as what the impact will be going forward. Because when you look around that lineup right now, I mean, obviously Corey Seager is a guy who you saw a lot last season and what he's been able to do already uh, at the major league level. I mean, a, a very heavy National League Rookie of the Year contender already. Jock Peterson was kind of the same way. I mean, I know that was in the Albuquerque days uh, when he came up through the Dodgers organization, but this so often doesn't happen with those big payroll teams. It's happening right now with the Dodgers. How does the organization view the way the major league, you know, the the bottomless pockets, it seems like, work in tandem with how much talent they actually do have in the system. Well, I think if you were to look at transcripts of media sessions with Andrew Friedman, Farhan Zaidi, and so forth, I would be willing to wager the most frequently used word they have said is depth. That was their goal from day one, is to establish more depth within the organization. This is an organization that feels, you know what, an option year lasts an entire year. So if we have a chance to take that to our advantage, whether it's getting a fresh arm, uh, whether it's getting maybe an extra bat if someone's a little achy, um, they're going to take advantage of that and bring them up from Oklahoma City. Uh, anything they can do to help in terms of making the major league team win. Um, there are, you brought up the name Corey Seager. There are some impact bats, I think, right now that are at the lower levels of the minor leagues. So actually not that far below us. So a lot of guys at AA, a big trio, Cody Bellinger, Alex Verdugo, and Willie Calhoun, all have been playing very well for Tulsa right now. Don't know if we'll see any of those guys near the end of this season because Tulsa, after getting off to a slow start, playing really, really well. And all those guys really young also. Um, so, and I think that the, the general consensus of that, you know, there has been some drop off. It is a bit top heavier in this farm system, and there have been some promotions lately, uh, but there still is some wealth. And when we talk about payroll, you know, it's not just in terms 
of what's being spent on the major league roster and how deep the pockets go. It's also in terms of spending a little bit more for minor league free agents you want. You look at guys like Chinwee Shell, Brandon Beachy, who unfortunately has been hurt all year. These were guys who got lucrative minor league deals in order to be part of the organization's depth. They have poured so much resources into their minor leaguers in terms of the video equipment. We have a whole video room here at our ballpark with four different computers, a traveling video coordinator who does all sorts of complicated stuff I could probably never understand. They have totally (laughs) revamped the food program uh, for the players in which they're getting organic, free range, you know, this and that, just healthier stuff for their bodies so they can perform at a higher level. So, yes, we hear about the Dodgers' humongous payroll at the major league level, but there's being money spent in a lot of other ways as well. Uh, one of the names that Alex mentioned there is Chin Hui Sao. If you want to he- hear one of the most bizarre and fascinating stories of any baseball player, not just in the minors or in the majors, but on the face of the planet, go look up the story of Chin Hui Sao because, man, it has been a long road for that guy who's been back in the big leagues this season after he was counted out a very long time ago for a variety of reasons. Uh, Alex Friedman's the radio voice of the Oklahoma City Dodgers, and that is one of the things that we really wanted to talk about in this interview because let me give you just two tweets over the span of four hours last night from at az friedman on twitter this is a retweet of josh suchan who is the radio voice of the albuquerque isotopes AAA affiliate of the rockies in which josh said quote starting today the abq topes go on the next 38 days without a homestand or a road trip longer than four days and alex retweeted that and said brutal and then just a couple hours later a day that started leaving the hotel in sacramento at 3 30 a.m will have a first pitch in oklahoma city at 8 25 p.m. another day in the Pacific Coast League and that really if you were ever going to encapsulate the PCL and the travel schedule and just the frenetic nature of what it means to be a radio guy be a traveling person in that league it's insane I mean I was a radio guy in a couple of bus leagues where those feel brutal but the PCL the footprint of the PCL is two-thirds of the United States I mean how do you encapsulate when people tell you oh man what a great job it must be so much fun you go to the ballpark for four hours a day and watch baseball how do you begin to explain what exactly the job involves Alex well, it is a lot of fun. That's that's yeah, the first absolutely. thing, first and foremost. And I'm I'm very fortunate to have the job that I do, um, despite all the hurdles that it may present from time to time. I tell people that, like most things in life, uh, there are some negatives to it, and it's not always as glamorous as it seems. Um, just broadcasting is one of the the small, I guess, really, if you look at the broad scope of things, especially during the off season, it's really just a, a small part of what I do for the organization, handling our media relations, our baseball information, a lot of our social media as well. Um, when we're on the road, I'm the kind of a pseudo traveling secretary, uh, helping out with a lot of uh, traveling logistical stuff. Uh, you mentioned the day yesterday we had in Sacramento, you know, I got there earlier than everyone else. Um, to help print out all the boarding passes because it was one of the days where you're flying with our equipment, so getting the boarding passes, the luggage luggage tags, all that stuff, just making sure everything goes as smoothly as possible whenever we need new hotel rooms or extra hotel rooms set up. I'm the one who has to take care of that while we're on the road. Um, So there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of hurdles that comes with it. You have a day like yesterday where, uh, quite honestly, we had a rain delay, and, and I've never wished maybe for a rain out in my whole life. You know, I mean, as bad as I did yesterday, um, having the day that started again so early out in Sacramento and then coming here, not getting to the ballpark till about 2.15 in the afternoon for what was supposed to be a 7.05 game, then had it close to about an hour and a half rain delay before we, we were able to have the first pitch. It's raining again right now, so we might have some more delays tomorrow night, or tonight, I should say. Um, 
but yeah, I, it, it's tough. And I tell people that, you know, it's hard enough for me to talk on those days uh, for about three to four hours because it's hard to have your mental focus when you're, when you're on such little sleep and, and you're traveling for so long. But I also say I'm not the one stepping in the batter's box and facing a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I'm not the one standing at third base who has a one-hopper coming straight at you at around 100 miles an hour off the bat. So it really also gives you a big appreciation of how these guys are able to perform under such circumstances as well. Kind of end on this note, Alex. I know um, Ben Hill sends his regards. Uh, When I brought up that we were talking to you today, he brought up how much you used to help him with uh, crooked numbers, sending him little, you know, little fun statistical stuff all around, you know, when we used to do that feature here for the site. And I, I kind of want to just ask you, is there one, uh, one crooked number, one oddity, statistical oddity that's kind of stood out to you in the, these first two months, something along those lines? Um, I know we had the two ties in the PCL the other day, um, something like that. Is there any kind of oddities you could kind of share with us uh, along those crooked numbers lines? I don't know if I have one for this year, but I'll share my favorite of all time that that I have personally witnessed. Um, It was not, most people would think it was the 33 to 18 game that I once saw in high desert. It wasn't that (laughs) it was actually that same season though, 2009 uh, games between high desert and inland empire. And I might be, I might not have the guy's exact name, right? Cause he played for inland empire. I believe his name was Adolfo Gonzalez. That was an extra inning game in high desert in which Inland Empire was out of pitchers. He had the pitch, gives up a walk-off home run. It was exactly one month later at Inland Empire, he hit a walk-off home run against High Desert to win the game. And I remember when I emailed Ben that, you know, that to Ben, he was just amazed by it. I've never heard of anything like that. A guy giving up a walk-off home run and hitting a walk-off home run, not only in the same season, but within such a close time span against the same opponent. That, that's my all-timer. It was May 6th, 2009. He took the loss, two-thirds of an inning, uh, two runs on that homer, one hit, a sparkling ERA of 27 even. Yeah, and then June 6th, it looks like, uh, goes yeah. out and uh, and picks up a, a walk-off homer, and that is uh, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah, The minor leagues tend to provide just the weirdest things ever, and that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's probably my favorite of all time, and and I have a little Tim Kirchner in me, love the, the little oddities and stuff like that. I don't quite as get into the fine print as is like, say, Tim Kirchner does. But, but that's just the fun thing about showing up here every single day is, you know, the cliche is you never know what you're going to see. And that's absolutely true. Stereotypes and cliches exist for a reason a lot of the time. <laughs> you can follow Alex. He's on Twitter at AZ Friedman, the radio voice, the broadcaster and media relations director for the AAA Oklahoma City Dodgers, uh, who may have seen the last of Julio Arias in a, a AAA uniform, depending on how things go back up at the big league level. Just saw, by the way, on Twitter, he has switched to the number seven at the major league level. So a single digit pitcher now for Arias is next time out. So that's exciting to nerds like us who find such things entertaining. So, you know, it's uh, always a, always a big development. Alex, thanks a ton, man. We really appreciate the time. This was awesome. Thanks guys. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Happy to do it anytime and keep doing what you're doing. Watch the stars of tomorrow today on MILB TV. 
Before they made it to the show, stars like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant were on MILB-TV. Subscribe today to get more than 5,000 minor league games streamed live and on demand, including games from affiliates of all 30 major league clubs. Select all-star and postseason games are also included. On the go? Watch on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch with the free MILB First Pitch app. Visit MILB.TV for details. Benjamin Hill back in the box, back in the booth, back in the same room as Sam. Sam, didn't you didn't get kicked out of the room, right? Nope, we're still here. Okay. Good. It's I never get kicked out of my office, and so I'm always afraid that you guys are just going to get, you know, somebody's going to come in and strong arm you into whatever floor you're on today onto a different one. You mean your pup doesn't kick you out of the the house every now and again? No, we went on a walk a little while ago, and it's like moderately warm today, and she's acting like we were walking on the surface of the sun. Like walked in, like fell down, panting, drinking water. Like calm down, it's like 75 degrees, and you're a dog that was bred in Australia. Anyway, uh, hi Ben. <laughs> Hi, Tyler. That was a great anecdote. I just, I, I wish you could keep just good, keep talking um, about that. I think she's, she can tell that I'm talking about her because she's giving me that little one-eyed face. Like, what, what are you, what are you saying up there? What are you saying up there about me? Again, um, to be clear, she only has one. Yeah, eye. she only has one eye. She's not like giving yeah. me like a, like a squint or like a weird thing. She only has. It's the only face she can give me. You jerks. Uh, so good. I'm glad we've clarified. We've clarified with such hostility now that I've brought out. Um, hey, let's let's, let's head to something else with some hostility. Uh, ben, let's dive right in to uh, a promotion that just uh, like the event by which it was inspired. Uh, Deflate Gate Promotions not going away. The Pawtucket Red Sox and the Buffalo Bisons are doing Roger Goodell proud and keeping Tom Brady and maybe or maybe not intentionally deflated footballs in the mainstream, which is what the people crave. Tell us about what's going on in the International League. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I, when all this deflate gate stuff first started going down, whatever, 16, 17 years ago, <laughs> I, I wrote about it. I remember several teams had promos. Myrtle Beach in a Myrtle Beach Pelicans fashion did one with all sorts of uh, funny elements. And it was kind of like cool, funny, you know, response to something ridiculous in sports. And then we move on. But since this saga just keeps on going. Since, since it is impossible to move on from this. Yeah, it's this the gift that keeps on giving, uh, I suppose. So, but I do like what has happened in the uh, Deflate Gate minor league baseball promotion world in that. The Paw Sox did something, and then the Bisons responded. So this is like the minor league baseball promotion equivalent like of a hip-hop diss track where you're always waiting for the response. And I'd like to see uh, more and more of this in in minor league baseball where teams respond to others. So briefly, the Paw Sox last night, and uh, I'm speaking here in the present moment on uh, – what day is it, Sam? It is Wednesday. Wednesday. June So 1st. last night uh, – it's hard. You know, I live in the eternal presence, so who knows when it is. <laughs> Um, uh, last night, Tuesday, the Paw Sox, uh, obviously being, uh, located in Pawtucket, Patriots territory, uh, their Friday home games are always free Fridays. There's a free giveaway of something. So they tweaked that and made it free Brady Friday, as in free Brady from this existential hell in which he's found himself with Deflategate. And, um... You know, they didn't go too nuts with it. Pawtucket is only recently starting to do kind of irreverent promotions. As you guys know, it's a pretty uh, conservative, tradition-bound market. But they said, hey, if you're named Tom or if you're named Brady, you get in the ballpark for free. Our $13 box seats are $12 because that's Brady's number. And that was about it. And then today, Wednesday, for those keeping score at home, the Bisons 
the Buffalo Bisons came out just kind of uh, unprovoked, but uh, you know it's another international league team. They said, "All right, on June 10th, you're doing free Brady night. On June 11th, we're doing keep Brady suspended night." <laughs> and uh, with all due respect to the Paw Sox who created this, and you know you can't have one without the other, the Bi- the Bisons brought it a little harder with the uh, the stuff they're doing. Had more of an edge to it. Um, you know, buy one, get one free tickets to anyone that brings a properly inflated football uh, to the game, and that'll be d- donated to an area youth pr- program. Um, undestroyed cell phone donations will be given to uh, Troops, a, uh, a charity that benefits Troops. Uh, 12.5% discount in the Bison's gift shop for anyone that brings a Tom Brady jersey. And uh, that 12.5 discount, 12.5% discount is a reference to the minimum amount of inflation for footballs. So you're getting kind of obscure here. <laughs> um, so, you know, they kind of went after them pretty hard. They said they will, the Bison said they will allow people named Tom or Brady into the ballpark, but they would be suspended from watching the first four <laughs> innings of the game. Um, so good stuff, and it exploded today on Twitter because if one thing gets people riled up, it's unimportant things. Um <laughs> And it's funny, I was, when the Bisons did their initial tweet, they tagged me in it, because um, I'm just that important. And for the next two hours, and it's still ongoing really, because I was tagged on this tweet, I've just been getting horrific tweets in my timeline, in my mentions. From, from Boston angry, sports from fans? Angry, yes, you wouldn't no. believe it. Some what? of them are pornographic, many are profane. Por- pornographic? What the- well, I can't get into it. This is a family show. <laughs> it's a family but, podcast. But yeah. it does, and I'm not saying this is specific to Boston, but I'm a nice guy, and the underbelly of the internet and Twitter in particular doesn't touch me very often. And uh, it is rough, and it just makes you feel like, who are these morons? Sub-literate idiots it's, it's um, who respond with- to this stuff. If you don't think it's funny, that's fine. Be clever. Be smart about it. Bunch of idiots on my timeline today. I'm going to say that. I'm coming down hard. <laughs> Bunch of eggs or people with uh, bald eagle avatars are usually very angry. There's a lot of, there's a, yeah, there's a subsection of Twitter that's just like you can kind of pick out, like, well, that, that person's not going to be fun to deal with. Yeah, but all these are real people in real life, and that's what bothers me. Yeah, most, isn't people that I, most people I meet in real life are nice. I know, and you live in New York. That's I crazy. don't know. Nice begets nice. I'm a nice guy, and I have nice interactions, and then all this stuff appears online, and you're like, who are you? What are you doing? Anyway, so anyway, something happened in the world of minor league baseball promotions, and we just talked about it, and Twitter (laughs) blew up, and uh, there we are. Well, just to kind of complete a circle, much happier news, really. Last week we talked about uh, Fresno and and their mascot marrying people. Uh, How many people actually took advantage of this in Fresno last week? Yeah, Parker T. Bear, through the Universal Universal Life Church, uh, got sanctioned, uh, ordained, as a wedding, uh, someone who can officiate weddings, and that got a lot of attention last week. We talked about it, but then when you know the rest of the internet uh, moves its attention elsewhere, you know me, Ben's Biz, I stay behind and I say, "Hey, well, how'd that go?" So um, did a little information gathering that on on that this week, and uh, three couples actually got married at the ballpark um, by Parker T. Bear. And um, the question I had, and the question that many people had last week, is. Um, there's a lot of questions you could have about a mascot <laughs> yeah. officiating a wedding. Not just one. But maybe one maybe the one of the more prominent ones is, well, uh, Parker can't speak, so how does he officiate? So they got around that two ways. One, he was accompanied by a 
experienced wedding officiant, Miss uh, Miss or Mrs. I don't know if she's married herself, Raquel Torado. So she was on hand to uh, guide the process in addition to Parker. And Parker also had uh, placards that he held up throughout the ceremony, you know, with uh, key elements of the ceremony written on the placards, such as speak now or forever hold your peace, which is a funny mascot, funny sign for a mascot to be holding up because – a mascot can never speak now or later or ever. <laughs> um, but three people legitimately got married at the ballpark. Three others renewed their vows. And um, we talk about the Grizzlies a lot, and it's not because we're just biased toward Fresno. It's because this is a team that just keeps doing things that are uh, worthy of our time in terms of being interesting, creative, funny, boundary-pushing in the world of minor league promos. So you got to tip your cap to them. You know what's amazing to me about that is like this all came up pretty quickly uh, the, the Grizzlies only announced a few weeks ago that Parker was available for these sorts of things. So I just want to know what the conversation was like of, well, we're going to get married. And I mean, this bear can do it right away. We might as well just do it with the bear, right? Like that had to have been a kind of be a quick jump. It's a quick departure from the traditional logic for an engaged couple. Yeah. And you wonder, I was wondering that. And if I had unlimited time, I would have loved to you know, get back in touch with the team and say, let's talk to these couples. And, you know, it ran the gamut. One was a more middle-aged couple, uh, both in Fresno Grizzlies gear. So you'd imagine that the uh, ballpark experience is central to their relationship. Another was a little bit younger African-American couple. Um, the gentleman dressed up very nicely in cargo shorts and a tuxedo T-shirt for his wedding. <laughs> and, uh, and and the bride wore a T-shirt, but she did have a veil. And then there was a, uh, a woman in – a by these standards, more traditional wedding dress, and she was uh, noticeably pregnant and married a young man in a Fresno Grizzlies jersey. And um, so that was the three couples who got married, and yeah, as I said, three more renewed their vows. And, uh, you know, if you're going to get married in a married period, then why not do it in a minor league baseball game? That's my philosophy. So, you know, I might do that myself one of these days. Growlifornia, man. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff in Growlifornia, Fresno, California. Um, ben, there were uh, there was a big day in the Pacific Coast League earlier this week in which after 20 years of not a single game in that circuit ending in a tie, two ended on the same day in ties. Not canceled games, not games wash off the record book, but games in which the teams were meeting each other for the last time and the score was level at a time that the game was determined to be over via weather or via travel restrictions. So two ties in the same day. What was uh, what was your favorite tie pun of the day? Yeah, you know, I, I, I tried my best. Um, I didn't get too much traction on Twitter with that. The next day I said that every team in the PCL should serve Two tie fruity ice cream, and uh, that didn't go over well at all. Um, you know, a fit to be tied headline. You know, that's not really a pun, but I was just thinking, hey, we got to um, we got to do something with these. But after a while, you know, talking to friends about it, we just came to the conclusion like all these jokes are stale, mate. Uh, <laughs> He's Benjamin Hill. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Ben's Biz, and the blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com. Uh, you can go there and you know rant angrily about uh, Roger Goodell being a, an unfair arbiter of justice or something like that. Um, and you can also check out posts from uh, Durham, most recently up, correct? Durham, Greensboro, uh, Columbia. I know we had uh, seen a post about Columbia last week, I think, also. But all kinds of stuff new, as always, on the blog. Yeah, you know, I'm always living in the past, present, and future. Still have a lot more to come on the blog from my Carolinas trip uh, that took place uh, in early and mid-May, preparing for the Appy League later this month, while also trying to, uh, you know, keep tabs on just all the crazy stuff going on elsewhere. So, you know, Ben's Biz, 
the Ben's Biz universe is uh, particularly fertile at this time of year. And uh, before I go, I know you guys just talked to Alex Friedman. I just can't wait to listen to the episode. I have to know now that he dropped some good crooked numbers, nuggets on you guys. We did get one good one. We got a good, uh, and I can't tell you what it was, but this is very meta because as people are listening to this, they will have already heard it. And you have not heard it because we're recording it before you can listen to it. So that's weird. But no, we did get a, we did get a, good, little, a good little conversation about that at the end of the interview. So look forward to it. All right, awesome. I'm just an Alex Friedman fan, and I'm a fan of minor league broadcasters, so uh, good to see these guys on the show. We'll uh, we'll do more of it, and um, you know we'll we'll see what the what the craziest stories from around the world of minor league radio are, because there are a ton of them. And uh, Benjamin Hill, like I said, is on Twitter. He's at Ben's Biz, and you can find him there. And Ben, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Ben. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Alex Friedman, the radio voice of the Oklahoma City Dodgers, is on Twitter. He is at AZ Friedman with a D in there. And go follow Alex. He's one of the best guys in all of minor league baseball and uh, really, really cool to get a chance to talk to him. And, you know, as being one of the the former members of the fraternity of minor league radio guys, I'm very excited that we finally had a fellow minor league radio nerd on the show. Uh, and a big thanks to Alex, who, like I said, you can follow there. Um, Alex is a phenomenal job. You can tune into the Oklahoma City Dodgers all season long uh, via Milb TV. Big thanks to Benjamin Hill as well you can follow ben on twitter he is at ben's biz and uh sam milk tv this week who you got yeah so uh this week the the game i kind of settled in on uh that i'm excited for is this sunday at 505 first pitch so if you're looking for a way to kind of tone down or yeah end your weekend something to end it with sit back in your uh, whatever chair you choose uh gwinnett is playing at durham um that's going to be a pretty good pitching matchup john gant is going for the G Braves and uh, our friend Blake Snell, uh, top raise prospect, is going for the Bulls. Uh, Snell had a really good performance last night, five innings, uh, struck out five, seems to be back on track. Uh, Gant has been, he's been up with the Braves major league team a couple times this year, been used uh, only out of the bullpen. But when he's been a starter, at the AAA level, he's been really, really good this year. Has a 3.14 ERA. He struck out 48 batters in 43 innings. Um, was a little bit of a viral sensation at the beginning of the season when his delivery came out. I don't know if, if you've seen it, Tyler, but it's a little bit of – he lifts his legs, stops a little bit, but he's still moving, so it still counts, and then he finally delivers it. Uh, look up the gifs of that. It's kind of interesting. Or you can see it it's, yourself this week on MILB.TV. Um, and again, on the other side, it'll be Snell going up against a G Braves lineup that obviously is headlined by uh, Ozzy Albee. So a lot of prospect action going on in that one. Uh, what's on your uh, calendar? I'm going to stick in uh, in AAA as well and go over to the other side of the Pacific Coast League. And uh, Carlos Asuaje has been phenomenal. The second baseman for the El Paso Chihuahuas in the PCL, the AAA affiliate of the San Diego Padres. Throughout the month of May, Asuaje in 28 games played the second best average in all minor league baseball, 378. He OPS 959 over the course of the month. Also, he's playing on a team, as Sam noted, with two of the hottest hitters in all of minor league baseball and Alex 
Alex Dickerson, who's rolling toward a 30-game hitting streak, uh, and Hunter Renfro has been hitting home runs just all over the place for AAA El Paso. Uh, so keep an eye on that team. Aswahe has been fantastic. Uh, the Chihuahuas are home, I believe, this weekend. They are playing host to the Sacramento River Cats on Thursday night, the day that this podcast gets posted. Uh, and then they will be uh, home against, uh, actually, I believe Sacramento is in town all weekend, so you can check those games out at Mild TV. And I like watching games in El Paso, too, because that ballpark looks so awesome. And it's one of those parks that seems like it translates very well on a screen, too. Some parks are really cool in person, don't look that great on TV. El Paso just looks like it has it all, all the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a brand new one. Well, brand new one by regular stadium standards, maybe a different scale for minor leagues. But one thing I kind of want to note, as you brought up was, well, hey, I brought up his minor league uh, player page or his mill player page. His stare is deadly. In oh, his, now I got to look. His picture. Like, you cannot stare at it too long before it just feels like he he knows everything that's <laughs> the most. Oh, like, wow. The innermost recesses of your soul. He knows it all just by that stare. It also kind of looks like a, like an album cover. Like, it's like Carlos Suave drops his new single, and that's the picture that the, the record label went with. Yeah, he's got some serious blue steel going on. Yeah. There. And we mean that impressive. in the best way possible. So we wish we could take. I, I shouldn't say we. I wish I could take a picture as nice as Carlos Suarez's <laughs> Mill player page photo. So go check that out and watch them all weekend on Mill TV, MILB.TV. And by the way, head on to MILB.com and cast your ballot for the AAA All Star game. Carlos Suarez is one of the guys you can vote for. So go do that now. Uh, Sam, a good one this week. A good one. Yeah. Except, a nice, except for all the nice bad stuff one. I trimmed out in editing, everything else was good. <laughs> if there's anything <laughs> still in here, uh, or every all the bad stuff we've said is just out. Yeah, that's all so gone. This is everything you all have hear, heard here today. Perfect. Is the uh, A plus, grade A stuff. <laughs> head on to iTunes. Head on to wherever you find your podcast and give us a rating and a review and a subscription. You can email the podcast podcast at milb dot com. Sam's on Twitter. He's at Sam Dykes or milb. I am at Tyler Mon. And uh, until next week, enjoy another uh, full week of games in the minors. Three weeks until short season gets started. Get pumped. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.